Welcome to Galaxy Brains, the weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. I'm back to attack till my heavy bag bursts. You could see me on the street with a cold hard beat or sitting at pub key holding cold card keys because we hold our cheese and we're here this week with a special guest. Trey the Lion's here to speak. We never rest. Don't forget these markets never close. So I'll be covering the space till the sun no longer glows and my voice no longer flows. Whoever's hating, send them to me. I've got plans to make Bitcoin great in 22-3 for the future because I'm different. Picture this dissident research misfit making mischief with some new financial instruments. We're still here in these crazy days. Crypto's dead is what the fallacy says. Yo, the best is yet to come, so don't be mad when we say it's time for me to end this rap and start up Galaxy Brains. Got Galaxy Brains. As always, I'm your host, Alex Thorne, head of firmwide research at Galaxy Digital. Happy New Year. We're here in 2023 to kick this off with an awesome show. We've got Bimnet Abibi from Galaxy Digital Trading to talk markets. As always, we're joined by Trey Eslanian, also from Galaxy Digital Trading, to talk about crypto in general. And I'm going to share some fascinating data about crypto VC in 2022. But before we begin, please refer to the link to the disclaimer on the podcast notes and note that none of the information in this podcast constitutes investment advice or an offer, recommendation, or solicitation by Galaxy Digital or any of its affiliates to buy or sell any securities. Galaxy Brains 2023, let's do it. We're ready to go. All right, before we get into it with BIMnet and our guests, uh, we released a report uh, yesterday morning on the 2022 crypto VC scene, um, which showed, despite a big slowdown throughout the year, still the biggest uh, year on record for crypto VC uh, investment into crypto companies. Uh, Q4 was small, though. It was the smallest quarter since uh, 2021 and two years since Q4 2021. Um, at just over 2.4 billion allocated um, across like 370 or so deals. Um, so obviously the the macro and monetary uh, policy environment is is affecting VC investment. Um, it's actually down across the board, not just in crypto VC, um, but still still robust activity. Um, so check out that report. It's on galaxy.com slash research. A couple other interesting highlights. Um, the later stage, the share of capital invested um, in later stage deals versus earlier stage deals is ticking up um, at f- over 40% uh, in later stage, which is a little bit of a reversal from last quarter uh, where it was down around 20% of the capital. Um, you know, when I look at deal count too, this is one of the in- really interesting ones. I like to look at pre-seed deals um, because they indicate the earliest stage of company. So a deal getting done at that stage typically means a new company. Um, and the the share of deals that were at the pre-seed stage has been falling for years, um, which in general, in my mind, has been sort of an indication of the maturation of the market, right? There was, And also there were some different market dynamics in 16, 17, and 18 than there are today, right? There was no market infrastructure, for example, really um, outside of some exchanges uh, in that earlier era. And so there was this huge opportunity for entrepreneurs to come in and build things like prime brokerage and custody and lending, et cetera. Um, but for the first time that I've been tracking this since 2016, the share of deals that were done at later stages, so that's Series C and later, um, there were more of those deals than pre-seed deals for the first time uh, in Q4 2022. Um, I'd like to see more. I'd like to see that that pre-seed deal count stabilize uh, and show us that there are new entrepreneurs coming in to build new things. Um, 
when we look at the deals and capital invested by um, subsector, right? So like Web3 versus infrastructure or mining, um, trading. Um, trading still accounts for the most money invested um, by VCs in Q4. Um, but Web3 and DAOs, Metaverse, Gaming, all that stuff, sort of NFTs all in one sort of bucket, um, by far the biggest share of deals at over 30%, deals done. So not capital invested, but deals done. So obviously some shifting narratives, still trading, investing, lending, exchanges are commanding the most capital, but clearly a lot of interest in emerging areas, right? Web3, NFTs, DAOs, gaming, metaverse and stuff. So more to come, but, um, you know, oh, the last the last couple ones I'll talk about too is valuation. Valuation is down. It's down a lot, right? So with Less capital chasing fewer deals. Um, I think the founder-friendly uh, environment uh, that we saw in the last few quarters is sort of drying up a little. Um, but fund sizes are, are up. Um, so the funds themselves, right, so VC fundraising, not investing, um, really notable here, um, a very, very tepid fourth quarter. Um, but annually, the most uh, ever raised at basically 30 billion raised by crypto VCs in 2022. So down a lot, um, but the fund count is up. The total annualized um, amount invested is up. Um, and when we look at the median and average uh, fund size, the average fund size now is over $100 million, and the medium is $100 million. It's a really crazy amount of money that's still um, allocated in this space in 22. Um, so a, a lot of a lot of interesting stuff here. A tough environment we're entering into, I think, in 23 for uh, the VC ecosystem, both investors and entrepreneurs alike. Um, given the allocation is definitely slowed down from allocators into VC funds, uh, you can see that in Q4 again. One of I think it was the lowest since Q1 2021 um, uh, allocated into venture funds. Um, and then, and then, uh, you know, there, there's not that many deals. 370 deals. That's down significantly from the high uh, in Q4. Still a lot of interest, obviously, and a lot of money pouring in, but um, definitely slowing. Um, and so we'll look to just, uh, you know, probably depressed valuations and uh, founders unable to raise as much money, selling as little of their company as they were in 2022. So, um, but some interesting narratives to watch, no doubt. Um, but that's it. Check out the reports on Galaxy.com/research. Let's go to our friend Bimnet of BB Galaxy Digital Trading. Bimnet, great to see you in the new year. Thanks uh, for having me. Happy New Year, Alex. Yeah, how were your holidays? And they, uh, they were so. great. You know, would have been better if crypto rallied a lot more. But yeah. you know, I'll, I'll take whatever I can get. At least it was relatively quiet. Yeah. Right? You know. Yeah. Um, you know, no uh, middle of Christmas or New Year's. You know, like calls or dumps. anything like there that. There was yeah. one. I remember. Uh, what would it have been like? Maybe 2019. There was a pretty big dump right around uh, the holidays that uh, all the desks were sending color. Like some poor, poor, <laughs> poor person that was the one person keeping the lights on over the holiday. Yeah. No, I mean, it, that's a story as old as time. You know, holiday season. Teams are understaffed. A lot of young folks on on the desks leads to yep. You know, crazy moves in certain instances, especially yeah. our markets, which are twenty four seven, three sixty five. All right, so let's get into it. I mean, we we talked a lot about last year on the last yeah. podcast two weeks ago. So let's instead maybe look at today and and a little bit going forward. 
Um, it seems pretty quiet out there. I mean, crypto, I mean, Bitcoin volatility, I didn't rerun the table today, but like I, we might be at like the lowest ever on a 30-day historical volatility basis. It certainly Bitcoin. feels that way. Yeah. Um, I, again, it just speaks to uh, an absence of activity, um, both buying and, and selling. Um, I think a lot of the, the forced selling uh, from miners has, has already gone through. Um, and there's not really sort of new institutions like begging to, to pile into to Bitcoin right now. Um, in fact, uh, honestly, I, I think the institutional side has been piling into traditional gold uh, more so more so yeah, than, 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 than Bitcoin. Gold has been rallying it has uh, for pretty a month and a half or so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it set its lows in like late October, early November, you know, around the mid 1600s. And it's now trading at like 1860 and change. Um, it's kind of crazy in a year where, you know, markets were down 20% and change. Bonds were down 15% plus. Uh, dollar went up 15% and change. Yeah. Uh, gold was actually flat in, in all of uh, <laughs> 2022. And it has started of 2023 uh, trading very well. Um, I think, you know, there's a number of reasons why it's trading well. But I think, one, you know, there's a general lack of positioning. Yeah. Uh, two, um, I think you've had some central banks on, on the bid, um, you know, as they're looking to move away from, you know, sort of Western-based money. But <laughs> um, also, just generally speaking, I think that there's pretty strong seasonals um, yeah. over, over the next, you know, like that have been happening. Um, so those, those have been supporting um, kind of gold. Um, again, though, you know, I think... The same thesis should be applying for for Bitcoin, and you know I kind of think that eventually, once once people get comfortable with you know counterparty risk and sort of more comfortable with the idea of in, investing in crypto again, mm -hmm. um, I do think that you'll you'll start to see the digital gold narrative start to take hold again, um, particularly if this year kind of plays out uh, like I think it will, uh, which is you know. Um, very aggressive well the, it really depends but if, if you if you get a, a hard landing scenario that's going to incite a uh, a very easy response from the fed um mm -hmm. a very like aggressive response in terms of cutting rates and printing more right. money and that should be good for for things like you know crypto and bitcoin if you do get to that hard landing and you know you right. have to switch right um but again it's uh so still tough. To yeah. Say. So so gold. What about other commodities? I mean, yeah. it, last year was a pretty big year for commodities in general. No, absolutely. Um, it, it, again, it was it was kind of like a roller coaster. Like last year, you know, oil started kind of around here, like seventies, like eighties, yeah. then went up to like one twenty, one thirty, and then you know now just came back down to like the the low seventies. <laughs> yeah. And so it's been a roller coaster. Right. Um, and I do think that fundamentally, you know, we are setting up for renewed strength in the, in the commodity complex. Um, one of those key reasons being the, the Chinese reopening. Right. Right. That's 1.3, 1.4 billion people that have been saving money for three years. They're starting to travel again. Um, I think once they get through this period of, of sort of mass infections um, and get, you know, closer to uh, meaningful levels of, of herd immunity, um, that's going to be a lot of sort of activity that that's going to go back into into the economy that should be supportive of the commodity complex. Um, in addition, um, you know, I, 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 generally speaking, like the economy is like okay, like the U.S. is doing fine, the employment market is is fine, it, it's healthy. Um, I think that also sort of constructive for the commodity complex. And then the last component is really the dollar, right? Mm -hmm. Every commodity is 
based on the price of dollars. And I just kind of like I'm a little bearish the dollar here in the context of, you know, if you think about what the risks are in the market and, you know, it's inflation shooting much, much higher and the ECB, the BOJ and other you know, and those two central banks in particular have a lot more to go in terms of raising interest rate policy and tightening financial conditions. So if we go a lot higher in terms of, you know, inflation, those those currencies, I think, will will do better. And then on the flip side, if, the, if we get the hard landing and stuff again, just because of like how far ahead the U.S. is, they're going to be cutting more aggressively yeah earlier and so yeah. earlier yeah um or no or just they're cutting from a much higher level right 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 and so it's it's it kind of feels a little asymmetric on the dollar strength side of things um and so if you get a, a weaker dollar a chinese economy that that that's recovering and sort of continued you know strength in, in the U.S. economy, I think that could bode, bode well for, for the commodity complex. Interesting. So, and then I'm look, looking at equities. It looks pretty tepid out there. Yeah. I saw big tech is, is uh, down a bit. Yeah, struggling. Yeah. Um, it obviously has been, frankly, for a, a, a little while. We had a little bit of a rally in the end of the year. Um well, I don't, you know, what's the, does it look anything? Does the picture look different or? No, no. The, the, the I think the picture is really easy. Um, you know, our, our CEO um, has been you know, pretty bang on about, you know, how he's thinking about the market. And I think it's pretty consistent, you know, with other folks, which is basically like you're assuming, um, you know, $220 per share in earnings in, in the S&P this year. That's without forecast really moving down. And if you apply an S&P multiple of, of 17, that kind of gets you to where the S&P is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really think that multiples are going to expand a lot because, <laughs> yeah. you know, interest rates are really high and the Fed's hawkish. So it's not like, you know, earnings or multiples are really going to expand. And, you know, there's a potential that they can go lower. Um, but that kind of leaves you in a scenario where there isn't that much upside risk to, to stocks. And the downside risk, you know, is there. Um, but I'm not in the, you know, panic, doomsaying, doomsaying, etc. But you're just kind of stuck in this place where you're not really expecting much in terms of returns. So really, like, what's the point of taking that risk? Right. I'd rather just go into, you know, fixed income or better risk adjusted products um, and not take the risk of being long a a growth company um, or being long, you know, tech that's that's hypervalued and you know think things of that nature so i kind of think equities just don't provide good risk reward here yeah um and that you're just supposed to wait for extensions in in, in one direction or the other if, if you're trying to trade it so and then uh, back to crypto um you know it's I, I totally understand the current risk appetite environment and yeah there's a lot of external factors macro and, and monetary policy in particular um, but at some point, don't you look at these like, if, you know, if we're talking about the big, the majors, you know, the Bitcoins and ETHs, like, don't you look at these if you have a long term view at some point and say, like, this might be a good entry? I mean, it, I, I, no one in big capital seems to be thinking that way yet. But yeah. but and and so I guess maybe the flip side of the question is like, what how much downside risk do you think there still is in in crypto? It's um, hard to know, obviously. So this is more of a. Yeah, am I allowed to talk about single name protocols? Yeah, we can talk about Bitcoin and ETH for sure. Oh, got it, got yeah. it. But not, well, yeah. Well, let's just say that there's there, there's still a lot of froth in this market, in there my is. opinion. There is. Um, you know, there are a definitely a lot of, L- of ones protocols. that, that are yeah. very overvalued and have very limited usage for yes. sure. 
the, the sort of L1 trades from 2021 yes. and 2 still hanging over. Exactly. There's still tons of meme tokens that have like yeah. a lot of value that, you know, I think is is, is dubious. Um, you know, there's one that's going crazy on Solana right I now, saw this. for example. Uh, bonk? Bonk, yeah. Now, this is just a random meme token. I mean, we don't know anything yeah, about this. Yeah, apparently and... there's utility. In there. oh, You're going to get sure. staking and borrow against staking it, Staking is not utility, okay? <laughs> no, <I don't. laughs> um, but but, but, yes, but right th- now that froth so, so, is still there. That that froth is still there. So you know, taking a step back, you know, there, there's, there's my landscape of crypto is you know you've got long only types that are believe in you know the the, the sort of big tokens. Yeah. Um, and you've got you know the the venture guys that are just you know playing in, in the venture arena. Then you've got you know your sort of speculators, uh, your professional speculators and, and market makers. Um, and then you've got retail. Yeah, retail, they're basically not coming back for a really long time. They've gotten hurt a lot. Nine hundred million dollars in Gemini Earn, um, UST Luna collapse, F- FTX, hacks, yeah. Voyager, Celsius, yeah. Bridge Hacks, NFTs that have come down a lot in right. price, meme tokens that have come down a lot in price. It's not just in in, in crypto, but in in stock markets. You know that they, they, they've right. also done poorly. So I think retails. On the mend, uh, you've got a lot of you know market makers that, that were taken out on stretchers because of you know at the, the various FTX, collapses, various yeah. collapses, etc. Yeah. And then speculators, you know, they're a little bit limited right now because one, you know, they lost liquidity of a major exchange mm-hmm. um, with perps, etc. The the lending market is you know Tight. frozen <laughs> um, a lot, right? Uh, so you know that leaves you with. You know, pro v pro market, which is you know speculators versus speculators, and you know trickles of long only and venture money coming in. Uh, but you also have to think about you know the supply that that's coming into the market. You know, obviously there's the Bitcoin supply, but there's still venture positions that that are unlocking. Yeah, into for the for year. particularly on those alt L ones, right? There's and there's the, a lot of those. Yeah, and then there's there's stuff that has to get sold as a function of bankruptcies. So we know about supply and. We know that you know the speculation in Demand one direction or the tepid. other is not going to go that extreme. Yeah, um, and then you have to put that in the context of like what what is the liquidity like in the market? And liquidity is not great, particularly in the versus like you know three to six months ago. Yeah, um, even though you might you know kind of be deceived you know by like the, the headline figures. Yeah, okay, there's a couple yards of Bitcoin that traded between 16.8 and 16.7. Yeah. But it's been trading there for you know right. a week or whatever. Yeah. Um, so point is liquidity's thin market participants have have shrunk. Uh the pie has definitely shrunk. There's still supply coming in and there's still tokens that are in theory worth Probably more than they they should be. Yeah. Um, and then the kind of other thing to think about is like, um, you know, in terms of like what is there to do in crypto right now, if it isn't to speculate, right? It's to yield farm, but the yield farm opportunities aren't really there. Yeah. And they're probably not worth it on a risk adjusted basis right now in terms of smart contractors bridging, especially with exchange. all the fixed income rates where they are as well. Yeah, and you're not getting paid on your stables unless you're farming, and so it's yeah. it's it's a very tricky outlook for 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 the market. But in terms of like the players in the space um, and trying to understand the market construct, it's actually pretty clear right now. Um, yeah.
very, very interesting. So we're going to be waiting around then, I guess, while we're, and it seems like a lot of the markets are pretty, not just crypto, but equities too, we're sort of range bound is your, is your outlook for the, you know, the yeah, near, no, near medium I mean, term? I, I think range bound is fine, but the, the way I would think about it is I, I think more than any other time in markets, um, you know, I think you just have to be respectful of, of like new information, right? Like being data dependent, essentially, like the Fed claims they are. But it's like if you see, you know, unemployment start to tick up massively, like, yeah, OK, we might be going into a harder landing scenario. But I don't think that's the case. Right. But you got to be focusing on that data. On, on the data. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and economic data and little signs here and there. I mean, there's a central bank that has, hasn't even gotten off negative rates yet. And their bond market has just started to move. And you could cause, I mean, there, there's some pretty scary tale scenarios about, you know, Asia, Asia effects and fixed income, you know, if the Bank of Japan really starts going. Yeah. Um, and so you just have to be, you know, kind of nimble and data dependent. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm you know, I, I would recommend to folks for, for this year. Bimnet Abibi from Galaxy Digital Trading, my friend. Thank you so much. quick break for our listeners um yeah i don't i don't have a poll uh this week or anything uh, so maybe just you know take a deep breath stretch stretch your legs <laughs> um thank you to our listeners uh sorry we were not here last week um but we got a lot of positive feedback uh saying that folks were missing the show um don't worry we're here again every week for 2023 um send your feedback as always hit me up on social or or message us at GLXY Research on Twitter or send us an email at research at galaxy.com. Uh, always love and appreciate your feedback and, and thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Welcome, my friend Trey Aslanian, Trey of the House of the Lion, as I like to say. Uh, welcome back to Galaxy Brains. Thanks for having me, Alex. Yeah. I, uh, first one in camera, so. I'm repping uh, my sister's team, Muhlenberg Field Hockey. <laughs> Let's shout out to go. Her. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is the first time we've recorded with you in our new studio. Um, yeah. And it's, it's fun to have you back. Um, you know, I, I I just figured we'd shoot the breeze a little bit about some crypto topics. I don't know if you've been looking at anything in particular that's been interesting over the break. If you were scrolling while at home with your family. Uh, like... we're, I'm always scrolling. I'm always <laughs> scrolling. Um, yeah, I mean, just a couple things we could talk about. Maybe like the whole... Shanghai upgrade that's that's yeah. due and then maybe a little Noster talk. Yeah, oh Noster, interesting. Yeah. So so Shanghai, I mean, we know it's scheduled, right? It's scheduled well, it's it's uh the the content of it appears mostly finalized, at least Christine says, right? Yeah. It's it's withdrawals, it's staked ETH withdrawals. I don't know what what was your like there there was a lot of uh, consternation in the dev community, but then also sort of in the broader Ethereum development community about this. I mean, everybody wants these scalability upgrades and proto dank sharding and all this and everyone was upset i guess not everyone a lot of people were yeah. upset that only staked ETH withdrawals will go in um what are, what are your thoughts on that i don't know i think it's it's always an important push pull between like the devs and kind of the users um i remember like the initial eth2 kept getting pushed back and then finally justin drake was like okay i've heard enough like <laughs> you guys have yelled at we're me calling like, it we're doing it yeah. and they got it done yeah. um so i think something similar happened here i think this is kind of the last like yeah user 
Like, it's the last piece of the merge, yeah, too. Exactly. So I think people just want to put it behind them. Yeah. Well. I mean, Ethereum developers were getting a lot of criticism. I mean, mostly from like Bitcoin maximalists, but like, you know, they go from like the Bitcoin maximalists have gone from like every critique of Ethereum and they just move on to the next one. At first, yeah. it was like the merge will never happen. Yeah. And it was like the merge won't work. Then it was like, okay, like, oh, but your ETH is locked up. And so. It does feel like sort of like cobwebs and like dirty laundry. They got to like finish yeah. and clean up and get it all. Because also it, it dramatically affects like network dynamics and supply well, dynamics. Th that's the other thing. It's, it's I would argue it's a security thing, right? Like if you think about all the ETH holders in the world, I think it's like 10 to 14 percent are currently securing the network. Um, other proof of stake networks, that's like north of half, even like two right. thirds. Right. Um, and you so think yeah, maybe more supply would come onto stake if they knew they could unstake when they need to? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's like you know you'd have more assets in a in an ETF than like a closed end fund. It's just it's it's more right. certainty. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that'll be really exciting. I think there's a lot of fud around like, oh, are people gonna unstake and, and sell? Right. Because they're basically being held hostage right now. Um, but I am pretty strongly convicted it's gonna go the other way. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, you have to I can think of a few. I, I've seen the chart of the average price of ETH when it was committed to the beacon chain by like supply. Yeah, it's I a lot forget, of red. Yeah, I forget, but it is <laughs> some a lot of people are underwater, but a lot of people were in there early. I mean, and like yeah. I mean the beacon chain launched a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but also you have to think like these are some of the most hardcore Ethereans, right? I mean Yeah. So like I mean, they're, the 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 people staking on the beacon chain aren't weren't like you know passers by tourists. I didn't think so. No. I feel like they'd generally be less likely to sell than. I think there's there's that dynamic of it. There's also kind of like the exchange staking and kind of the liquid staking derivatives, which is more like I would classify like retail esque. Yeah. Um, if you're not like setting up your own validator, like you probably use one of these services. So like I understand the argument on at least on the exchange side, where like that might just get arbed out to. Uh, yeah to ETH. Um, liquid staking derivative is kind of its own animal, but yeah, I agree. The majority of them, especially early, were like just die, like right. die hard. Like right. they're going to keep it there forever. So what do you think about the liquid staking derivatives in general? I mean, this I, I've never really fully figured out whether I think this is, whether there's a risk, but you're basically like restaking or like reusing the staked ETH, right? Like, yeah. D does that impact security in some way? Like that, like you could have, so this is something that would always concern me. Um, but I haven't. I admit to to our viewers that I have not really figured out exactly what my fear is about this. Yeah. Um, but it seems you know the stuff's supposed to be inert and staked, but then is getting basically pledged as collateral elsewhere. Perhaps like. Yeah. There's um, some kind of like cascading we're, we're, death spiral or something could happen. Yeah. No. I mean, they could act maliciously, right? I yeah. mean, that would like destroy the project, and people are. Generating you mean the derivative, the, the yeah. LSD projects themselves, like the actual people who are physically right. staking the ETH, right? Um, oh, yeah, know, like if they rugged or something, then all the the, the derivative tokens are worthless. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Which I was thinking more like if you like have some kind of cascading like if slashing all, event like a yeah, I guess it wouldn't really make sense. I was thinking more like if if all these liquid staking derivative tokens are pledged in DeFi and then there's like a mass liquidation, um, but that doesn't really impact the underlying with stake. Yeah, with redemptions, like as long as no one's acting maliciously, I think you're fine. I mean, yeah, it's something that I think we're not hasn't been fully flushed out. I know certain projects have looked into like, right, because it's usually like a dual token model where you have the governance token and then you have the staking derivative. So it's like, how do those two kind of share governance rights? It's kind of like the same yeah. with like the maker holders versus the die holders versus the <laughs> CDP. It's like, 
you have to kind of reach that happy medium. Yeah. Um, at this point, I think it's just been like, go, 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 get as much market share as I possibly can, and then kind of figure it out later. Right. And now we're getting to the size where it's, we're at the figure it out later point. That's so interesting. people are starting to think hardly about that. So what about um, another one we were talking with Bimnet about was um, just the alt L1 trade. You know, he says he thinks there's like a fair amount of froth still from some of these alt L1s that have, you know, minimal activity. Um, activity on, yeah. on chain is declined. Yeah. Um, but Bitcoin and ETH still have activity. Yeah. Um, probably like, you know, Binance chain, I'm assuming still has activity. Oh, yeah. Um, right. But there's, you know, we see stuff on Polygon and like Solana's is declining, but there's still some that, but like outside of like, you know, when you get to the broader ecosystem of, of layer one blockchains, like it, it's starting to look to me like, what do we really need these for? Yeah. Um, and I, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Like, if you're using an EVM, like, I'm completely uninterested in what you're doing, uh, <laughs> unless you're Ethereum, obviously. Um, uh, this year, I'm, like, hyper-focused on the Layer 2 space, specifically on Ethereum. I think, like, obviously, Optimism and Arbitrum are kind of, like, market leaders and optimistic roll-ups. Right. We're going to get the whole ZK complex, and maybe Polygon has something to do with that. Um, but what I'm looking at, I think, even in more detail, and this kind of comes to head with some of the interoperability protocols... Are going to be like these like kind of application specific L2s where it's like you know BitDAO, they want to spin up you know their own perpetual swap L2. It's interesting, right? Like Ribbon, they're making. Are they all own... just going to like fork Optimism? You think or something like that? Probably they'll yeah. fork some kind of optimistic rollup. But yeah. I mean, like if you want like kind of a closed loop application, I think it it does most of the job. I mean, I always liked this idea for for L2s. I know there were some gaming companies, um, like you know that have tradable assets and in, in game and whatnot that basically were doing this either it was a side chain or a yeah or an l2 that just like pegs back to eth like they they don't run there you know i never i never really liked the thesis that like games game developers were going to like build on an l1 it always yeah. seemed like you're gonna look you pay for the game they create all the content it, the game itself typically if it's a standard sort of video game doesn't need to be decentralized no and they need to be able to control the assets while they're in their box but like the whole the hack is then just bridging you back out um, yeah. into the, the open ecosystem. Yeah, that's like Arbitrum Nova. It's like a layer three. We're going <laughs> to get to like layer 10 by the time Lord we're, uh, we're old. Yeah, but the layer three it's like stuff. like layer inflation. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, scaling layers. That, that's like a Bitcoin thing, though. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. And then also, I mean, the ZK stuff, They, you know, Christine has talked a lot about how you can have a roll-up on a roll-up on a roll-up. You really can do that. Yeah. Um, and so you could have really truly... I don't know, incomprehensible levels of scaling, yeah. theoretically. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Noster. Um, yeah. So Noster is, uh, for for our audience who may not know, a decentralized social network, basically, a decentralized yeah. messaging platform um, that has a, I, I guess it can be built on many different ways, but I guess the most popular use is as a Twitter-like um, yeah. feed. Um the Bitcoiners are all over this. Jack Dorsey's been yeah. using it. And what do you have you been on there? It's pretty slick. I haven't quite figured it out yet, but it's basically like you it's public private key cryptography. Like I can take my account anywhere I want, which right. is like super powerful. That's something I've been able to do with Ethereum that like I haven't You'd like to see in social. That I'd like to see in social. Obviously you have kind of like lens uh, on the Ethereum side and Farcaster. Yep. Which are more companies I would I mean, for lack of a better word, companies than like open protocols. Um, I'm, I'm sure they're, they have a whole roadmap to get there, but Nasser right now is, is, uh, decentralized. Um, and that allows for some really cool stuff. Yeah. Like it explodes, like, like that's what gets me excited about this whole movement is like, 
anyone can work on this and a lot of interesting people already have so i think by the end of the year we'll have like a working telegram notes app like we'll, yeah. we'll have have the whole suite i think the battle becomes mobile yeah which has always been uh an it issue. needs to be on mobile it needs to be on mobile um they might get some flack from the app store i know the, right. the main one damas or something yeah damas damas um they're they had some yeah the app store had some issues so, some silly issues yeah. i think um so we'll see yeah the app stores have like we a really... make our own phones man it, i i know i know like yeah i agree i mean so noster it's like um and again this is a, i plead some ignorance here so apologies if i get this wrong but um, it's like a series of relays that just pass these, yeah. you know, sign messages around, right? So you yeah. have a private key. Um, there's some fields. I, I think I looked. It was like eight, only like eight, eight uh, like fields in a in a Nostra message. Very small, compact. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and you just sign a message, and then applications can hook into the relays and display them. Um, and it's pretty straightforward. It reminds me in some ways of like IRC or, or um, you know, in these where these nodes aren't. These relays, they're not incentivized. And and I think that's that's a criticism that like the Web3 community yeah. will probably have against something like Noster because you always hear that argument that, well, you know, why would these nodes, you know, pass these messages around without being incentivized? That's often been the justification for the introduction of a blockchain, right? For yeah. Um, but you know, we have long history of of decentralized tools like this existing. For sure, it's just like a, it's a user that uses it, right? Like, who's going to run a Bitcoin right. node? Well, a, people a Bitcoin who use Bitcoin. User. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's pretty exciting. I have to say too, um, Twitter has been like not functioning very well. I don't know if you've noticed this. Like, you send a tweet and it's like didn't send like check back later or something. Or, or I, yeah. I, I went uh, the other day. I was in my notifications and like all of them were just gone. And then like three hours later, all of them were back. And I'm like, I'm like is, is, is Elon actually breaking this thing? It seems like he might be. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've heard I've definitely heard people say that. Um, I literally just refresh my home button, so I'm I'm a very limited Twitter <laughs> Twitter user. Yeah, have um, you ever tweeted? No, never tweeted. No, yeah. I like some Princeton wrestling. You've liked some stuff. Yeah, that's about <laughs> it. Yeah. But you follow a lot of uh, accounts. I've seen your secret account before. I see that you've got a, you follow a lot of uh, stuff. Yes. You, so you, it's an intel gathering for sure operation for long, you. Long time lurker. Yeah, I would love to see that uh, a, a, a decentralized thing. We know Jack wanted it, right? You saw the text yeah. between Jack and Elon. Yeah. Um, really fascinating, by the way. Those t I cannot believe that saga even happened. Wild. That I mean, all these text messages were released in court. Yeah. It's bizarre. I think and, that's why I finally bought. And there's it. a He's bunch like, of weird ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a bunch of weird ones. Um, a lot of sycophants, like you know, cozying up to Elon, trying to curry his favor, and 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 myriad people just offering him advice about what to do with Twitter. Yeah. Um, but I think the ones I, we read these on a pre on a prior uh, episode, but the ones between Jack and Elon were very interesting. Quite. Um, you know, what do you think about uh, you know, Bitcoin? Um. Like Lightning, have you been following Lightning lately? Is there anything exciting you in particular in the Bitcoin world? Yeah, there's at the there's moment. A, there's I'm more excited about the Bitcoin world than I have been in a while. Obviously, like the Noster thing, it's like kind of it's like Bitcoin adjacent. It was like, but it's always been my thesis. Like you, you don't need everything on chain, and like this is the perfect use case for Lightning. 
Um, there's a lot of other cool shit like Get Albi. Yeah, like I a, saw that. It's like, like a login with. Uh, it's like lightning. a Lightning MetaMask type wallet. Right? Exactly. Like yeah. I love that shit. Yeah, it's really um, cool. Then you have like you have some perp exchanges like Collider. Um, Interesting. That's where a... you can trade like Bitcoin denominated. And it's like not custodial. Very cool. Um, yeah, like Ellen Markets too. Yeah, right? that's been around yeah. for a while. That stuff's not totally interesting to me, yeah. but it's like it's cool that that people are thinking about that. Yeah, I like the. Um, there's one that I we're gonna dive into a lot more, which is Miniscript, the mm. the Bitcoin language. Yeah. Um, I don't know a lot about it. I recall Andrew Polstra, um, the chief scientist or uh, researcher, uh, or head of research at Blockstream. Forget his exact title. He uh, at a Boston Bit Devs that I went to maybe in 2019. He gave a presentation on how he was working on it. It was very interesting. I'm told it's complete and merged into core already, and no one knows about that. So we're gonna have a, a guest in a future episode yeah. to explain what this means. But um, what my understanding is, they're significant feature additions, basically through the transaction language, um, which is not doesn't require any kind of fork. It's just a way to compile new uh, information down into Bitcoin transaction format um, that actually has some really powerful implications for things like vaulted transactions or time locks that make it really interesting. So um, I just learned about this. I actually recall that, like I said, I learned about it a while ago. I totally forgot about it. As far yeah. as I can tell, very few people are working on it, but we're going to have one of the people working on it come and explain uh, what it is. I think that that could be very interesting. Yeah, I need to do my homework on that. that I, cool. I, I've got a doc. I'll send you with a bunch of links. So. Nice. Um, I, I don't know anything else that you're like particularly like interested in. I mean, what's DeFi look like these days in your in your mind? Um, the DeFi stuff is still working on bringing some of like the really good stuff about centralized exchanges on chain, and yeah. I think that's likely done. Kind of what I was saying earlier in like the application specific like layer two format. Um, I mean, all you need is you know a matching en engine and a shared order book. So it's like fundamentally if there's no fiat involved with the trading like there's no reason why it shouldn't be on chain um so i think we'll continue to see that like the the gmx uh of the world it's kind of like it reminds me of the uh the amm versus like central limit order book yeah where it's like you just our brains are so wired to think oh my god central limit order book like obviously as you know a trader on the desk like i need to trade in that but user experience wise like amms are way better I think we're finding like something similar with GMX where it's like they're on DYDX's tails and DYX, DYDX has been around for a while. Yeah. Um, and so we've seen like forks of that and eventually it's like who pays the winners, right? And it's Interesting. like GMX, you have this like variety of assets with like something like Gains Network. It's just like you you post die and it's, you know, you're trading against that that fund. Super interesting. Um, so I think that's probably going to win out again, which is kind of wild. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, what what about uh you know you see like uh the Winklevoss letter that they sent to DCG? Uh, I did. Pretty spicy. It it was it was very spicy. Um, <laughs> they're definitely feeling the heat. Yeah. Um, what I'll say about that is obviously I'm you know no inside baseball, but these things tend to take a really long time to to yeah. iron out. I don't think this case is any different. It looks pretty complicated. Yes. Um, all right. One one or two more topics are one of our favorites. Sam Bankman Freed. Oh I, I was upset. I wasn't in New York yesterday when he appeared uh, in court. Yeah. Uh, I saw the video of him uh, squeezing his way past all of the, the throng of, of paparazzi. Yeah. Um, he pled not guilty uh, to all charges. Um, but he also, uh, they, the, his his lawyer is motioned to keep the two unknown co-signers of his $250 million they signed off on it. 
personal recognizance. Meanwhile, months. all those people Secret. in Celsius, BlockFi had their addresses doxed, right. their names doxed. Well, and FTX creditors also are having their names and info kept private, at least for some amount of time. Yeah. Trey's looking at the block clock. It's changing. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no worries. <laughs> um, and um, But there's going to there I, I believe, news organizations have already petitioned to have that lifted. But this isn't a bankruptcy. It's different. Yeah. Um, the U.S. government didn't oppose the motion to keep the two co-signers secret. So as far as I understand, there's basically a very low likelihood we'll ever find out who they are. Um, yeah. Very weird, though, because Maybe like, when Sam writes his tell-all we memoir would want to from, know. Uh, from the can. Yeah, don't you want to know? I want to know. <laughs> of course. Right? I mean, there's. Yeah. I'm not going to speculate about who it could be, <laughs> yeah, okay? But, like, yeah. there's a bunch of categories that of people it could be, yeah. and all of them are interesting. I want to know, um, you know, it could be former FTX, other FTX employees that are wealthy and didn't commit any crimes. I think that's probably unlikely, but um, it could be friends of his parents, right? Who yeah. are big political fundraisers and uh, professors. It could be who, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, it's, it, it, I want to know though. This is the yeah. largest such personal recognizance bond, I believe ever. Really? And yet that's we, and yet as far as we know, like a $4 million house was posted. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, this was really irking me. Um, you think Sam's going to uh, – what's he doing? He, they got his internet. He's, he tweeted. Yeah, now he's – Is he chilling? Is he playing video games? I think he'll probably be restrained from going on any more Twitter <laughs> spaces, but uh, he's definitely playing a lot of video games. Yeah. Was that when he played League of Legends? Or yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently he's not that good at it, which is yeah. funny because people said he played it all the time. In hindsight, man. In hindsight. I know, right? <laughs> people were like, he must be a League of Legends legend. Yeah. He's like, I don't know what, what the tiers are. I don't play League of Legends, but at least he's like bronze, bronze, which is apparently bad. Yeah, it sounds bad. Yeah, it sounds bad. Um, anything else on the exchange space, you know, like that you're following? I mean, you know, what about the proof of reserves we've all seen? Like, yeah, does that excite you? Uh, it's helpful. It's helpful. I think um, if there is kind of regulation in 23, which I'm somewhat skeptical of just given what's going on in Congress right now. I think they're a little, uh, a little preoccupied. Can't even pick a speaker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The longest one, by the way, has gone three months for a speaker. I heard, election. I read that it was like in the 1800s. They said yeah. it had over 100 rounds of. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, they got their own stuff going on, but uh, yeah. I think on the exchange side is probably where we'll see some kind of mandatory like separation between kind of yep. assets where. It's weird in the crypto space now where you just like send it and take it off. Like it's so weird. Yeah. But um, it's easy. Super easy. Um, but it requires a lot of trust. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that'd be good. I think proof of reserves or and or like right omnibus versus yeah. you know, segregated accounts. And I mean, BitMEX is kind of the gold automated. standard for all that stuff. Yeah. So they like just a BitMEX. This is again, we, yeah. I hate I hate to always have to say this, but. You know, Arthur and, and, and you know, the charges and whatnot and stuff with BitMEX and the public notwithstanding. BitMEX has been an exceptional steward of the Bitcoin blockchain. No, without a doubt. They have, I think, among the best proofs of reserve that they've created. They did little things. Like, they used to send all their transactions, what, like 8 a.m. in a yeah. batch transaction. So they used, like, the littlest amount of block space. Yeah. There were other exchanges I won't name who only added transaction batching very recently and used to send a separate <laughs> Bitcoin transaction for every withdrawal. Yep. Um, yep. so like they've done a whole bunch of stuff like that, uh, that has always been BitMEC research, Johnny Beer there. I mean, we've got his book actually right here. There you go. Size War. Can read right? it in an um, afternoon. It's a great book. Page Turner. Yeah. Page Turner. Um, it's a great, great Bitcoiners, uh, over there at BitMEX, uh, still. Um, 
I, we could go into BitMEX too because you've been trading these markets for years. I mean, BitMEX oh, yeah. has been a roller coaster. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was the mecca back in the day. But Remember, they, uh, it was March twelfth, twenty twenty. Bitcoin's like spiraling from like six to like thirty two hundred or something. They had server scale. issues. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They said they got like DDoS attacked. Yeah, um, yeah, something like that. You think they pulled the plug? I mean, if they did, I would say thank you. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was like a cascading series of liquidations. Yeah, there's there's twenty million dollars on the bid. Yeah, till zero. Yeah, and the the network was so backed up, just given all that was happening, like you could not send Bitcoin into arb, right. arb that back. Right, you send Bitcoin in, you buy it there, and you sell it elsewhere. Right, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Um, lots more we could talk about, Trey. But I yeah. really appreciate you joining us here on Galaxy Brains today. Uh, thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me, brother. Trey Aslani on Galaxy it. Digital Trading. Thanks to our guests, Trey Aslanian and Bimnet Abibi from Galaxy Digital Trading. Good conversation there. And thank you for listening. As always, um, it's a new year. We've got a lot going on. We're going to be covering it all. And there's a lot happening at Galaxy. So stay tuned. That's all we have this week for Galaxy Brains. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to Galaxy Brains, the weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. If you enjoy the show, please like, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To follow Galaxy Research, sign up for our weekly newsletter at gdr.email, read our content at galaxy.com research, and follow us on Twitter at glxyresearch. See you next week.